We're now at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. But in the last verses of the last lesson, 11 through 13, uh, let's uh, go over a little bit. A woman, we talk about woman uh, teaching and ruling and so forth. A woman must, uh, must means a command, it's not an opinion, must quietly receive instruction. Instruction means teaching. That's the basic word for teaching is instructing, okay? Men in the synagogue and the Christian gatherings could openly share and discuss opinions about the law or scripture, even debating publicly or correcting each other. This was an open public discourse. Uh-huh. But in such a state, a woman were to be quiet and did not teach or debate with them. They did not join in with this. It was not acceptable. Even in the Roman and Greek world, and women had lots of power in the Roman world, but it was a, a hidden power. Their fathers or husbands allowed them and privately to do a lot of things, but they would not go before the Senate or a public meeting and start debating with men. This just did not happen. So in the world they lived in. Now, nowadays, a lot of women say, well, the customs are different. Customs do not counter scripture. Some things we are to obey customs, but when he makes it plain in scripture and by apostolic authority, that supersedes custom. Custom is to honor the king, the government, and not to rail them and have a mob rule or anything. But when it comes to gross sin, the government and people cannot tell you to commit murder or to rob people. The higher law and the law of Christ does not permit that. So sometimes we have to use some common sense in these things. Okay, She, the woman, Paul said, read those. Let's read them briefly again. A woman must quietly receive instruction, that's teaching, with entire submissiveness. That means be quiet. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over the man, but to be quiet. This is again, he uses the word. For it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. This is going to counter a lot of false teaching and women thinking they have the right now to be equal with men in that authority, and it's not true. He's going to state that this order was given by God before Eve said, or Adam. We'll find out, you know, what he's talking about. It'll make a little more sense, okay? Uh, so the woman must be an entire submissive. That is, in the public meeting of the church and the gatherings, she is not to debating, discussing, or talking among men publicly. That was God's order. It wasn't Paul's opinion. When he said, I do not allow, not as if other apostles did, because later on he said, this is not the custom of the churches, as it was not in the synagogues, did not permit women to publicly do this and debate and discuss things openly with men. So Paul is speaking apostolically, and he does, that means he speaks the word of Christ. And we'll see this later. And so if you want to argue with that, uh, Paul had an answer for that also, okay? So when he says, I do not allow, that means this the church principle in his gatherings, and that's the message he sent 
to the pastors and shepherds wherever we went, this is not to be allowed. And it was uh, the understanding the other apostles didn't do this either, okay? So he wasn't coming up with anything new. Teaching, instructing, exhorting, reproving, and admonishment could and would not be allowed for women over men in public meetings and even privately. The scripture is very plain. Uh, Women may be more spiritual than their husbands and may have been Christians longer, and they can discuss scripture, but they're not to lead him or override him. The scripture doesn't allow it. He places the authority, uh, and that's how he made it. When he made the woman, he made her to be a helpmate for the man. This was before sin entered the picture. Then she was restricted more because of what she did. And we are reaping the sin, sinful nature we have to contend with. We still fight with these things. Women suffer during childbirth. Men labor and sweat and have to fight the bugs and everything. This was a part of the curse and the consequences on mankind after sin entered the picture. Okay? So he said these things about the women not being able to publicly do this. He said it's the custom and ordered so among the churches, okay? So teaching, exhorting, or reproving the, leaves out the fivefold ministry. You do not find in the epistles anybody officially, a woman, being called an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher. Now, some people say, well, Philip's daughter had four daughters. Yeah, they spoke forth under inspiration, but they did not have the office of a prophet. The office of a prophet was second to the apostle. He could reprove and remove pastors and elders. He had the authority over them because he usually moved among like the apostles in different places. But the one that was did not have the public ministry or it was not recognized, he could give his advice. He could challenge and have two or three witnesses. He could come against an elder. But apostles and prophets under inspiration, they could not be challenged. So you did not find any place where women are doing this. Nowhere in the New Testament. Uh-huh. And People try to go back and say, well, Deborah ruled. Deborah did not rule. She was a judge, and they considered her, but the judges were deliverers, and they fought in battles, and she refused to do this when the general wanted her to go with them into the battle. And she gave a prophecy, and it was from the Lord. Then the woman will get the credit. See, it was an insult to him, and she went against her leanings, I can give counsel and wisdom under the prophetic gift, and she did. But she wasn't expecting herself to go into battle and fight, though, like a man. She wasn't even planning on going. So, and a woman didn't get the credit, and it meant it was an insult. And even God said, he said, it's a shame. And Isaiah, when women rule over you and children are your oppressors. So God considers it shameful for a woman to try to usurp and rule and have authority over the man. That's the order he set, and it hasn't changed. Of course, the modern churches, everybody's equal, but that doesn't mean God recognizes it. He doesn't recognize women pastors and prophets and apostles. 
And so if they're not recognized, they're to be disregarded spiritually. And if they keep doing this, uh, they're in disobedience, and it might cost them their soul one day. You show them, it doesn't matter what they know. Oh, many women are a lot smarter and know the scripture better, but they've not been given that position, authority, and that's God's privilege to give people gifts and ministries. And when people say, uh, women many times, well, because men don't do it, God's called, that's a lie. He does not go against his own word. It, it gets undone. If there are not good ministers around and the lacking of the word, then the church suffers and the lampstand's removed. But because someone doesn't do something, because you can't find a brain surgeon, you don't go out on the street and grab a 10-year-old and give him a knife and say, come on, we don't have nobody else. You just don't do that, okay? It gets undone, okay? Again, to be quiet means not to speak. Pastoring, shepherding, ruling was and is not to be done in public gatherings with women. Uh-huh. And even in the home, God makes it very plain, tells the wives to obey your husbands in all things. Well, that doesn't seem very American and independent, does it? When 25% of our Senate is women and ruling and in government, but that doesn't mean God approves of it. So we can have all the equal rights and independence we want. Remember, the first major sin was by the devil, Lucifer, was to be independent of God. So he didn't put much value. He wanted people to be dependent on him and the gifts he gave and authority. So Lucifer was called the light bearer. He bore the great light more than any other angel of the Lord. And when he fell, he was called the prince of darkness. He ceased being the light. He wanted to be the light. He wanted to be independent and be a God himself. And when the test was over, Jesus said, I saw him, Satan, fall from heaven like lightning. I mean, it was done in a split second once God's judgment came. We don't know how long he let it go on, but one-third of the angels went with the devil, and God stripped them of all holiness and cast them out of heaven. That was the end consequences, okay? So do not speak is what it means in the public gatherings. Adam was made first, then Eve. Eve as a helpmate for Adam before the fall. We're not talking about after sin. There are more restrictions and things to put on. But she was made for that reason. He was given the authority, the first in authority. Okay? Now angels, the ones who never sin like the archangel Michael and Gabriel and other princes, they were called the chief princes. They were created in a position of higher authority than other angels. Didn't say personally God loved them more. It's like parents with a bunch of children. Doesn't matter what they end up doing, if they can be the president or they can be a truck driver or a janitor, the parents can recognize their abilities and their gifts but it doesn't mean they love one more than the other. So God gave him the gifts of music and intelligence and wisdom above his fellows. Uh And the scripture says, you are perfect in all your ways until sin was found on you. He said, you were perfect the day you were created. So they did not earn these positions. 
God created himself. And so when he created Adam and Eve, it had nothing to do with sin. He created the man, and he wanted the man uh, to be the authority and the woman to help him. That's what he created. Nowadays, with all the women groups and ruling and the lesbians and all, they want to take over. They think they're as good as men or better. Well, that's a demonic spirit. They're going against God's order, and they can argue it, and they can get their way until the day of judgment. And they'll just add sin to their punishment in hell. Okay? So even angels recognize order, and it doesn't say they're jealous of each other. Some are given higher authority. Some are gifted for differently. And God does this in the body of Christ. He gifts people according to his grace, and he gives them a measure of faith. So some people are more influenced and have greater gifts of teaching than others. Yet all Christian men all Christian, even women, should be able to one-on-one give the gospel to someone if they ask questions and understand it. See, Hebrews says you ought to be teachers by now. He didn't mean public teachers, because James immediately, uh, what he says is, after refuting the stupid people, he called them fools. He says, you think faith without works? He said, it's foolish. It's dead. He was saying, if you don't have any spiritual obedience to the Lord and to his word, then your Christian talk doesn't mean nothing. If you see your Christian brother in dire need and you can help him and you don't, he said, can this kind of faith save you? He's implying no, because it doesn't demonstrate God's will nor the love of God through the Christian to other saints. And one of the signs of a Christian is he has to love the true brethren. If he hates him, he says eternal life cannot be in him. He has to forgive those who repent and want to make things right. He cannot be vindictive. He cannot have personal anger in these things. He cannot, even when it rises, he can be angry and reprove and correct. But uh, Paul said, but don't let the sun go down. Don't carry the anger. But you can deal in anger with disobedience and correct and the church uh, can reprove and correct. And the most they can do is throw a person out and break fellowship with them. They were never told to beat anybody or torture or make people believe. If they did not get along with the fellowship, they would throw them out. They didn't allow a person that didn't want to live by Christian principles to remain in the gathering. Even guest sinners were to be quiet or they would be removed. So it wasn't a free-for-all that people could do just as they pleased, okay? So we see that now we're coming to verse 14. When he says Adam, 13 was created first, then Eve. 14, it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. He's making it very clear that a part of the further putting her under submission is the woman's nature And being the weaker vessel, not weaker as far as sin, she was not made with the authority that God made the man. She was made differently. Uh So we have to understand that. So Adam was her authority, okay? And she was to help him. And that's what her job was. But the woman fell, and it was not Adam. So it's saying when Adam sinned, he knew what he was doing. When Eve sinned, she was tricked and deceived by the serpent 
who was some kind of snake or became one, some kind of creature that the devil inspired, possessed to tempt her. And she fell for it. She started reasoning and God had told them not to eat of this one. And he began to reason and said, oh, you won't die and it'll make you smart. And God just doesn't want you to eat because he, he doesn't want you to know all these things. And instead of going to Adam or talking to this creature alone, she should have went to Adam and said, what is he talking about? He would have supposed to have instructed her. She was not to be debating with this creature. And immediately she questioned what God told her and she fell for it. She was deceived. Deceived means being lied to a trick, but she was responsible because the main point of the test was you do not eat of this tree. You can eat of any other ones, but not. And the day you eat, you will die. Well, Adam lived to be 930. They died spiritually. Their spirit was altered. And even after God restored them to a degree, they never could go back into the garden. The angel with the sword kept them out. So when they were having hard times and starting to suffer, childbirth and, and bugs and fighting to scrape a living, uh, that was part of the curse. The consequences, they probably wanted to go back, but it was too late. God had to deal with them in the state. And every time they sinned, others, they got further away from God. So after Cain killed Abel, he was driven further away from people, showing that God, sin separates. The greater the sinner, the greater his sins, the further God is from him. So when people are cast into the lake of fire, Jesus says it six times or more, they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They're cast into outer darkness. That means they're furthest away from the light, the Lord, the truth than they can be. It's a spiritual state. Totally absent of God's presence is what it means. <laughs> and God's greatest displeasure and wrath is upon the wicked who are in hell and will be cast into the lake of fire at the end. Okay? So the reason he gives now is the woman was deceived. Okay? So the man was not deceived by the serpent, but the woman. And the devil was smart enough to go and tempt the woman. But like I say, she had recourse. She knew, like Adam, we're not to eat this under any circumstances. But she started listening. It sounded convincing. It was a seduction. And she should immediately got away and went to Adam and said, what is he talking about? And Adam could have said, I, I don't listen, it's a trick. Because the scripture says he wasn't deceived. He would not have fallen for it, okay? He would not be deceived. But we're going to see his sin was considered great because of his authority. And we'll see it's called the sin of Adam. It's not called the sin of Eve, the original sin, okay? So she acted on the devil's suggestions and lies and forgot. The translation is when God asked her, what did you do when he went to the woman? And she said, the serpent deceived me and I did eat. He caused me to forget is what the translation means. See, isn't that how happened, sin? That's why even Paul instructed the young men, young teachers and pastors, he said, when you're 
put in, and they were in a very promiscuous society, it had all kinds of prostitution and whores and all their religions. His advice to them at times was flee from fornication. You don't sit there and debate with it. When your body and mind is driven like that, you walk away from it. You don't sit there and try to debate with them. If you have a problem or had a problem with alcohol, then you don't go sit in a bar all day long and say, oh, I hope I don't drink. You avoid that, which is your besetting sin, which is easier to fall for. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its desires. But if you make provision, you're on your own. You're not going to get no help from the Lord because he's already told you what to do. Okay. So Adam's sin, what it boils down to, was taking the side of Eve because he knew with knowledge not to eat this fruit when she gave it to him. But he made some kind of decision. God came down in the cool of the day and spoke with them. Eve was with him 24 hours a day. He was attached to her. And his test was, is he going to obey the Lord? Well, obviously he didn't. And so he willingly took the fruit from her and ate it. He sided with Eve over the Lord's will and his commands. We don't know how he thought. We don't know if he was thinking, if I don't eat it, God will take Eve away or strike her dead. But that wasn't the issue. The issue was you would obey God. Eve didn't. And maybe God could have got around it if the authority had corrected her afterwards. We don't know. We can't speculate these things. But he knew what he was doing. His sin was greater. So they both sinned. But it's called the sin of Adam. And it's interesting, original sin and sin's principle under the law passes through the male. It does not pass to the woman. Therefore, when the Holy Spirit came upon the Virgin Mary, that's why he had no original sin. His father was God. And responsibility was placed and traced through the male. And isn't it interesting? It was the woman that sinned first, but Adam's sin was greater. So when Christ was born, he had no original sin. He could not be drawn in a way by his nature, but he could still yield to temptation. But he did not have that part that every man has, that magnetic drawing. And therefore, when he lived a holy life and obeyed the Lord, he was a perfect sacrifice. It says he was holy, harmless, and undefiled. So when he was born, he did not get the sinful nature that mankind gets through the fall of Adam and Eve. And it's funny, it's through the woman that this has kept him from the original sin. That's God's order, okay? So it's called the sin of Adam, for he was the authority, and he was the one who was held more responsible before the Lord. It's always the sin of Adam, not the sin of Eve, for she was lesser and responsibility. She was lesser in intellectual or spiritual wisdom, and God put her in that state as he created archangels, and Satan as Lucifer was the covering cherub. And then there's the four living creatures, seraphims, and they're higher than the order of angels, but they were made that way. They didn't earn that position. 
because God can gift people and give them various talents. That's his right. It has nothing to do with sin. It has to do with him giving authority. But those who are given great authority, like the devil, their greater punishment when they're judged and they sin against him and do not appreciate the gifts he was given. So the Lord said, you were perfect in all your ways until iniquity was found in you. He was the inventor of sin. God put him in a position he could exercise his will before. He was not tempted in the way man is. He willingly walked right into it, knowing a lot of things. But God didn't tell him the full consequences of what was going to happen. He tested them, and they understood they were to obey the Lord. They had no reason to disobey. But somehow he convinced one-third of angels to go along with him. So it must have been a long process, and God didn't do anything about it. So they thought they were getting away with it because they had never seen God's wrath or anger or judgment. It never needed to be expressed until sin entered the picture. Okay? So going back to all of this fuss and these women defending their right to be equal and co-pastors and co-teachers, well, let's go on back. They can't refute God's custom. They may refute the world's custom, and the customs can change for evil. And a lot of customs of the world are not acceptable by the Lord. He means you pay taxes, you honor the king, that kind of custom. You don't do like them. Even Jesus told the disciples, you obey the Pharisees and the scribes when they're teaching the law. He said, for they sit in Moses' seat. But he said, but don't you live like them. He recognized they were wicked. But when they were teaching the law and its principles, he said, listen to them. Okay. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's go down to 34 and 38. He's talking previously about the public meetings when they all home groups gathered together, many smaller groups gathered and had a big public gathering. And he especially did not permit uh, women to speak then. He immediately talks about speaking in tongues before and limits it. And he says, and let this prophet speak. It meant they were under inspiration. These were people gifted and had the ministry of prophet, okay? And they were to expound and bring forth a sermon, an exhortation, or a particular word of the Lord inspired by the Spirit at that time. And he said, but let the others judge. They're to be limited by three of them speaking. And the other prophets, not the other people in the congregation, those with the higher gifts of prophecy had the gifts of discernment. And they could pick out things that the average Christian could be tricked on if he wasn't careful and didn't know the word. So he said, let the others judge. So if he said something inappropriate or he added his opinion or the devil slipped something in, another prophet would correct him, stand up and tell him that's not so. And that prophet would submit because he could fall for a trick like any Christian can. He's not careful, okay? And immediately after this, he talks about the father. He says, you may all prophesy one by one. That's the prophets that all can learn and may be encouraged. That means everybody in the church. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. They don't have to speak. They are inspired and moved 
but they don't act like a parrot or a robot. They can discuss with themselves and discern timing. They may have the word for 20 minutes and they have to wait for the other person prophesying to be quiet so they can have their turn. They're not told to interrupt each other and like they're special. The spirit of prophets is subject to, they're responsible for everything they utter. Therefore, they can be judged or misjudged by people and God. The other prophets will judge them. The word judge means to make a discernment. It doesn't always mean a consequence or a trial. It means you're to distinguish and set in order what is not right if something's been spoken. But the spirit, when people say they couldn't help this, speaking in tongues, yes, you can. In the public meeting, when Paul said those who spoke in tongues to speak quietly and pray to yourself. So he's saying they had a certain amount of control. He said God likes order. He doesn't override people. Only people in demonic things like seances and fortune telling and these occult things, a lot of times these people that the spirit comes on, they don't remember what they said. Other people have to tell them. They act and speak as a puppet because uh-huh. the demon's inspiring them. But God does not do that. He gives them choice and will, and therefore he can punish and judge them and bring the judgment on them because they should have known better, especially if they're that spiritual. So with great grace and responsibility comes great accountability. So that's why James said, not many of you should be teachers. If you're going around teaching faith without works, you're a fool, he said. And three times he said, it's dead faith. It's not real. Real faith produces obedience, spiritual works, and fruitfulness. And if it doesn't, he said, that kind of Christianity won't save you because it ain't real as far as James was concerned. So he said, not many of you should be public teachers. But we, he said, shall come under a stricter judgment. See, he understood his responsibility. We will answer for more to the Lord for our gifts and callings and the greater grace that is given to us. Now, verse 34, let women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive as the law also teaches. Most of the New Testament is built on the principles of the law. The ceremonies and the rituals, all of that was fulfilled. Like the Ten Commandments, they're still in the law of Christ. Every one of them. Even keeping the Sabbath, it was overridden. Every day's a Sabbath for the Christian. We're in an eternal rest. It goes further than the Sabbath. I mean, we serve the Lord all the time. But the nine other ones that say don't do this or that, don't steal, lie, covet, murder, if you do those, you will not stay in Christ. You will not make it to heaven. So the moral principles still apply. The rules, regulations, and ceremonies were fulfilled, and we're not under the bondage to those things, as often the Jews were, because we have the Spirit of Christ. We have the law within us, Christ within us. When he said it, and people look at that and think, oh my. He said, if your righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom. And he wasn't talking about just their bad behavior. They kept rules and regulations. They tithed. They did many things. And he said, and they fasted twice. And he said, if your righteousness doesn't exceed them, you'll not enter the kingdom. 
So he expect moral uprightness and goodness more so out of the Christian than he did on those under the law. And Hebrews says if you under the law, you can be stoned to death by two witnesses. How much greater, and the law was delivered by angels. And he said, how much greater punishment do you think they shall receive who trample the blood of Christ and despise the spirit of grace? Those who backslide what he's talking about. Peter said it's better to have not known the way of truth than to depart from it. See, because your punishment is to be far greater because far greater grace was given and responsibility. So when God gives grace to whomever he pleases, they better heed it or they will answer to that extension of grace. The longer a wicked person lives and the longer God doesn't judge him, the greater is going to be his punishment in the lake of fire. God sees everything, and he doesn't let it slide. That which is not forgiven, that which is not purified, those who do not walk with the Lord, they will come under the wrath of God, and every idle word they ever spoke, they're going to answer for it. That's justice. So people need to understand grace works, but justice comes into play when it's not handled properly. Okay? And then he's talking to the uh, women as a whole in 35. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home. Didn't say somebody else's husband. For it is shameful for a woman to speak in the church. He's talking about the public meeting, the public gatherings, okay? There's a debate on home, two or three gathering together, what they can share. and But you will not find a scripture where women teaching. Some women said, well, then we can have our own meetings and women can teach women. Paul said, here's what you women teach each other. He said, you older women teach the younger women how to love their husbands. That's what Paul told them to teach. He didn't tell them to teach doctrine. He didn't tell them to teach scriptural principles. Isn't that astounding? And so if a woman's single, she was under her father's house or her brother's, uh huh, and she could ask an elder if she wasn't married, if she'd like to know something that maybe her husband had just come to the Lord and he don't know scripture and she wanted to know certain things. And so she could do that privately, but not in the public meetings. It was not permitted. And now he says something. Did the word of God originate from you or was it only that it, it was reach. You were the only one. See, people were thinking they had special gifts and they could do the exception. So he's clarifying this. Now, 37 nails the coffin. And people and women could argue all they want about custom and what the women did back then. And now they can do that. Here's the reason, he says. If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, the higher gift and mature. Let him acknowledge that the things I've just told you and that I write are the commandments of the Lord. He didn't say it's my opinion. He gave his opinion on certain areas about marriage, remarriage, staying single, not marrying. Sometimes he advised all women under 50 to marry and bear children. At other times he said, uh, I wish you'd be like me because of the persecution but he said, if a person marries, they've not sinned. So he was allowed to give his opinion. But like he said, but if you don't want that, Jesus said many people cannot bear that. 
to be a eunuch spiritually before the Lord. He said, it's whomsoever it's gifted. So most people like being married, husband and wife, and really, that's what they were made for. So celibacy was the exception, okay? Wasn't mild on too much by Pharisees. They expect you to be married. Unless they thought you were a prophet, a very gifted person, they expected you to be married. And so, and then when the new false Christianities developed out of the centrals, then some of them forbid the clergy to marry. Well, Paul will speak of that later in Timothy that we're talking about. And those churches or denominations that forbid a person to marry if they're going to hold that office, he called it a demonic teaching if they forbid to marry. Isn't that interesting? Hebrews says, marriage is honorable in everybody. And God will judge fornicators and adulterers. So sexual relationships outside marriage with other persons is going to be judged. It's not permitted by God, okay? He wrote the rules, not us, okay? But 38 says something interesting. But if anyone remains ignorant and doesn't want to accept this, if anyone does not recognize what I'm saying, he is not to be recognized, or she. She's not to be recognized. They always use the masculine sense when they're talking about order, because mankind is not womankind. It's all, it covers them all. And so he was saying, if you don't recognize this, you're not to be recognized by the church. And if a woman persisted in it, she'd have put out of the church. She would not have been accepted. They would consider her uh, wicked and proud, and unteachable, okay? Well, let's go ahead and take a break here.